Hi and welcome to another episode of the Solo Powered Podcast with me, Ariana Dunn. This is a podcast that celebrates doing things solo, whether that be solo travel, solo business venture, solo pursuits of passion, single by choice, solo journey to parenthood, or solo adventures. Whatever it is that you do on your own, waiting for no one, this is about not living a lonely life, it's about living the most full life on your terms. Before we kick into the next episode with my brilliant guest, Gordon Hickey, I just wanted to uh, jump on and thank everybody who has downloaded, listened, commented and shared so far on the podcast. We are, this is going to be the fourth episode that you are about to listen to and I've been blown away by the response to the podcast. It's been listened to so far in five continents across the world. And the comments and feedback I've had from so many of you have been really encouraging. I've had lots of you share with me your own personal solo journeys, whether that be solo traveling, your solo business, being single by choice, or indeed having a baby on your own. So please keep those stories coming in. It's always so encouraging to hear how the podcast has potentially sparked some inspiration or uh, it's something that you can relate to in terms of your own life. Um, Obviously, as a life coach and uh, a career coach and a teacher of coaching as well, um, I love to be able to work with people to help them achieve their goals. If anyone is listening to the podcast and thinking that they too would like to do something on their own terms, something that they would like to uh, achieve, maybe a solo pursuit, reach out to me at arianadunn.com is my website or you can contact me on LinkedIn at Ariana Dunn or via Instagram ask underscore Ariana Dunn as well. We can have a free 20 minute consultation, a discovery call to chat about how coaching might be able to help you. Also, if you're really interested in personal development from having listened to this podcast, I am teaching another certificate in coaching with Mindstream uh, on May 13th and 14th. So if you're interested, mindstream.ie is the website if you would like to potentially explore personal development and coaching on your own terms as well. But that's enough for me. I'm really excited about this cracker of an next episode. I hope you enjoy it. And once again, thank you all so much for tuning in. Hello and welcome to another episode of Solo Powered Podcast with me, Ariana Dunn. I am super excited about today's episode as we have an incredible guest, Gordon Hickey, who is a multifaceted soloer. A couple of years ago, Gordon left his very successful career in TV production to set up his own business, the much-loved Container Coffee in Dublin 8. But ever the creative, during COVID, he pursued his passion for acting, having graduated from the Gady School of Acting and the Bow Street Academy. Um, After going through some arduous auditioning cycles, Gordon decided to take matters into his own hands to write, direct, produce and star in not one, but two of his own short films, The Cure and Uncut, which have gone on to be shortlisted in film festivals around the world. He's also just started another new business called Swanted, and I'm so excited to have him here in the studio to tell us all about these incredible solo endeavours and hopefully offer some tips and advice to listeners who want to do the same. So, Gordon, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you. Well, Scarlett. <laughs> <laughs> so weird listening to myself. 
Or listen to someone say that, but thank you. You're welcome. So it's worth saying that Gordon and I have been friends for 22 years now, making oh, us feel very old. <laughs> we met in good old Ballier, um, also known as Ballyfermer College, which for anyone who doesn't know is a very successful media college um, here in Dublin. Recently adding another Oscar winner to its Amazing, alumni huh? in Richard Bannum a couple of weeks ago, which is very exciting. Um, Gordon and I did the certificate in how to become TV presenters. <laughs> <laughs> The guinea pigs of that course and then went on to study um, media and I'm beyond proud of everything that Gordon has done in his career to date and very excited for him to share his journey with us. So Gordon, maybe just introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a bit about your, maybe your TV production careers. Well, I think you just did a big introduction, Ariana. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So on top of that, um, thank you. I, yeah, so look, I did everything that you said there and I went on to spend 13 years there. 13 years in working in TV production. So I started out my television career in TV3. I did various different roles there over the years. Um, And then I moved abroad to live in Qatar, where I worked for Al Jazeera English. I was out there for four years on and off. And then I came back to Dublin and I worked freelance for a little while. I know your podcast is about solo, so that's like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) solo journey in in the freelance world, which was great in so many ways, but a nightmare when trying to get a mortgage. Right. So I decided then that uh, I had to get out of that world because I couldn't get, like my main drive for getting out of work in television was I couldn't get a mortgage. I really wanted to buy a house and no banks would give me one because I didn't have a permanent job so I decided I was going to try get a job in the corporate world so I applied for jobs in the likes of Google Airbnb um, all the all the big kind of corporates just trying to get a job in marketing or in their communications department because that's what I did in television I kind of took an idea from paper and then turned it into a, a TV series mm. so my skill set was quite wide but this didn't seem to translate on CV <laughs> so I couldn't get an interview for wow. anywhere. Like I applied for, pro- I probably sent off maybe 40 job applications. I didn't get one interview. So I was thinking to myself, like, mm. what am I doing wrong here? And at this time, then I was thinking to myself, well, maybe I'll try work for myself. And what can I do? So I was working in a production company on uh, Fitzwilliam Square. And every day I was cycling up and down Thomas Street. And I love Thomas Street. I love the buzz of Dublin 8 and the Liberties and all the old, like there's so many old buildings and stuff. So one of the days I was cycling down and I saw St. Patrick's Tower, which is the lovely tower there um, in the Digital Hub. And there was loads of empty space there. And I was thinking to myself, oh my God, like, I can't get a job. And this place would make, like, there's so much empty space. It's lying here derelict. Nothing's going on. So I had a little idea to put a shipping container onto the ground um, and turn it into a cafe. So I approached the company, which is the Digital Hub and asked them could I rent a space off them thankfully they said yes and I set up Container Coffee amazing and it is my favourite coffee in Dublin and I know anyone who I know who who frequents there talks about how much they they love it it's a beautiful business that you've created with a really good vibe and really good people working there in the summertime got this beautiful outdoor seating so really has transformed the area um, and, and made something that that was an empty space that wasn't there before in terms of like a solo endeavor, like what kind of what what sort of advice might you offer? What things would do you wish you maybe would have known since then? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so like obviously I was trying to transition from working in the media to working for myself, which was amazing. It was a nightmare, I'll be honest. <laughs> it was a lot of hard work. It took nine months 
to go from my ini- my initial idea of opening up, putting a container onto the ground to actually opening the doors. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of fighting with Dublin City Council to try to get planning permission. It was an awful lot of internal struggle because obviously I was doing it on my own. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, even though I believed I could do it, I had so many roadblocks that were like where I wanted to give up. There was one day I was sitting in my car crying because mm-hmm. they, would, they wouldn't allow me connect to the sewer in Thomas Street, the the city council wouldn't and I was so frustrated you know so like you know obviously as a solo person doing that I'm I'm obviously really delighted that I had the energy to push through I do think sometimes I'm like oh my god maybe if I had had someone else to help me but it wouldn't have been as frustrating but I did it but I like I suppose look what would my advice be my advice would be just to do it Mm. you know like Mm. I had so many hurdles along the way I easily could have gave up, you know, I could yeah. have, I genuinely don't know what, where I got the inner determination because there were days when I was like, ah, forget about it, you know, just relax. Uh, you're putting yourself under too much pressure, but I kept going, I kept going, I kept going. And I'm so glad I did because obviously we're six years open now um, in May this year. And it's been, it's been amazing for me. Like it has been amazing for me. Like I completely changed my career. It freed me up to do so much so many other things that I've always wanted to pursue because mm. when I worked in television I was always working shift work so I never had a Thursday evening off to go and act mm. or a Monday to go and you know dedicate my time to something because I might have been working in in the afternoon or in the evening so you know like I know this podcast is all about doing things on your own and it is for me the thing that I found hardest was like to mo- motivate myself mm. continually. Do you know, mm-hmm. it is. It, it could have been easy to give up. Now, thankfully, I had met a guy at the time who is now my husband, <laughs> and he was um, he was a good ear to listen. So, yeah. like, my advice would be to ask for help. Yes, do you know, you ask for help. I didn't as much as I should have. I'm like, you know, I'm able to do things on my own. Mm. I don't need anyone's help. Whereas now I've learned over the years to ask for help Mm. because as much as I think I'm Superman, (laughs) I'm not. Mm. (laughs) And it is great to be able to get someone else's advice. And thankfully, my friend of mine, Brian, he owns uh, Lemon Jelly Down in the Italian Quarter. And he was a great mentor to me. You know, he helped me with cash sheets and every time I had a, I suppose every time I had like a, a little hiccup, I was like, Brian, what do I do now? And he was great to help. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, I think obviously this is a solo um, podcast and of course we can do stuff on our own, but it's also good to be able to recognize that it's okay to ask for help absolutely and i think you know the tagline of this podcast is that it's not about living a lonely life it's about living the most full life on your terms and i think really important to note that even as soloers we find our tribe so we find our tribe of fellow soloers of people who have also gone out and started their own business (laughs) exactly exactly and i think you know we surround ourselves with people who are go-getters and people who you know go after the things that they want to do and pursue their passion and that's just you know really what this podcast is about but absolutely right I think a lot of people think that if they have to do things on their own that they have to do it on their own but there is so many people to help and there's so many people out there who want to help and that's the thing is there's so many people willing to help which pardon me there are so many people out there willing to help which I didn't realize you know I uh, I'm not great at listening to my own advice you know, I'll tell people, you should ask people, people are so willing. I help people all the time mm-hmm. in the shop, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm still, even though I'm 40, I'm still trying to learn to ask 
people for help because mm. there are times when I'm just going, I'll do it quicker myself. Mm. And maybe it does take me longer because I haven't asked for someone's advice. Like, you've been a great mentor to me over the years and like, just, no, but just bouncing ideas off as well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And hearing someone else's opinion might twig something in your own brain that makes you go, oh, actually, I never thought of it that way, yes. do you know? Yes. So I think like that's, I should have asked for more help setting up container coffee. Because I think I would have made my own life easier. Yeah, <laughs> Do you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, we'll get on now to the, the solo the solo venture in the world of film, which is so exciting. But I know in my coaching world, and I have a lot of people who come to me wanting to set up their own business. And I have a lot of people wanting to come who want to set up their own food truck business and their own kind of container coffee idea. It's obviously a big flourishing area at the moment for people. Um, I mean, where did your kind of love for the idea of kind of coffee and, and all of that kind of come from in terms of of opening you could have you could have opened any business really so where where was that I love coffee (laughs) (laughs) so but I I still six years later I still dream of driving into work every day to have a coffee (laughs) like I love it so I suppose that's where my passion was I was thinking to myself I had traveled to Australia and New Zealand the years previous Mm -hmm. and loved the cafe culture they had there so it was very different to Ireland you know it's very different to America which is like Starbucks over in in Australia and New Zealand, they were all into their flat whites and like, you know, nice artisan coffees. Mm. And so when I came back from New Zealand, I was like, oh, maybe this is the type of coffee I'd like to do. And there wasn't many places in Dublin doing it at the mm. time. Um, my passion came from putting the container down was because of the empty space. Mm. And like the one thing I, I love Dublin, it's my home. But the one thing that really bothers me about Dublin is the amount of empty and derelict buildings. Mm. So I had tried, I'd gone to Dublin City Council to try to take over two or three different empty units on Thomas Street and they wouldn't let me. And then I found this space and I was thinking, okay, this is why I'll do it. So that's like the idea of putting the container down was because of a TV show I'd been working on. And it was just, I kind of just married the two ideas. Coffee as well is my is passion, mm-hmm. you know, I mm-hmm. love coffee. So I was just thinking to myself, like, you know, I love food, but I not a f- I don't really like cooking. <laughs> you know, I love eating it. Um, so the coffee seemed kind of the easier option for me. And especially because my friend had set up a cafe as well. And I did a little bit of work experience with him to see if it, if it was what I really wanted to do. I, yeah. Like I volunteered on days. I got a job in Costa Coffee for two weeks to see how they did it. Do you know, so I did my homework. It wasn't as easy as, oh, there's a space and I'm going to drop it down. Do you know, <laughs> obviously I, I knew I needed something to drive me Mm. and it was trying to get a house and then my love of coffee as well and it's great like I was the first container uh, cafe in in Dublin or I think in Ireland maybe Um, so they like it kind of did start a trend and there's loads of food trucks and there's loads of um, horse boxes and stuff which is amazing like I love that people are being entrepreneurial now because there are so many other options to take a bricks and mortar building do you know now obviously there was I didn't realise after I put it on the ground I couldn't get insurance because no one there was no insurance companies in Ireland um, that would insure a metal container because they had, no one had ever done this so I had to get my first insurance from the UK. Right. So, do you know, so there was loads of little nuances like that that I was learning along as I went along. But like, you know, I think anyone thinking of setting up their own businesses is like, my advice is just to do it. Yeah. Like, learn as you go. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I knew what I was doing, but I learned so much during the process, you yeah. know, so much during the process. I think the key message there is to like find a gap 
literally <laughs> fill a space literally yeah. um both you know from a, a, a business perspective and also kind of you know transforming an, an area or finding things that you know that an area needs and that there's a desire for but also pursuing uh, something that you're really passionate about that you really believe in and then having an overall goal in mind I suppose which is a house so you've bought a house congratulations <laughs> <laughs> um so obviously then you know you bought your house you have your business covid strikes obviously being in the in a business like a coffee shop in covid how was that nightmare (laughs) that was probably like one of the scariest moments of my life because we had just bought our house we bought our house we moved into our house in on the first of december and covid hit four months later so i was like what are we gonna do (laughs) look thankfully it was grand the government put in nice um supports there for small businesses but my my thing was i don't like doing nothing so i had 10 weeks of banging my head off the wall at home my husband was like do something like you have to do something now you're wrecking my head and i was like just talk to me please (laughs) honestly I, i know i was a nightmare during lockdown okay um so like you know yeah it was it was tough like I got my house which was great um but it was trying to keep myself motivated during covid that I really struggled with because it was my first time I think since I was like 14 that I didn't have a job mm. you know I wasn't working I didn't have to get up out of bed and I loved it for the first three weeks because I actually felt really creative. I came up with two brand ideas and I was like, I can do this, I can do this. And then I just fell in a hole. <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't because what did you do? Tell us about your kind of foray into the world of acting and okay, film so, production. I suppose, look, the whole, the whole point in setting up the cafe was to give myself free time. Yes. Because I had never had a Monday, a nine to five job, really. Yeah. So when I set up the cafe, I went back and I studied acting. So I went to the Gaiety School of Acting uh, for two semesters. And then I went to Bow Street Academy uh, for a six-month part-time course. I've always wanted to be an actor. Now, I was always a bit afraid. I was like, <laughs> I had a bit of fear in me of going, oh, maybe I can't do or you know. But I had no excuse. Do you know what I mean? I had no excuse after I had the, I opened the coffee shop. So I had studied acting, um, which I loved. And I finished that course... I think it was, it was December 2019. Okay. So finished that and I was like, okay, going to get an agent, got my showreel, had all that ready and then COVID it. (laughs) So then I was sitting at home, no job, no acting gigs coming in, in a hole, couldn't get out. (laughs) And my husband was like, you have to do something like now, like you need to distract yourself. So I stopped feeling sorry for myself and I sat down one day and I wrote a script for a short film. So I'd got the script done. So I had this idea in my head for years. I was like, maybe something I'd love to do. So I had the time during COVID and I was like, look, if I waste this time now, I'm going to be so annoyed with myself when we come out with this. Mm-hmm. So I wrote the script and then I rewrote it and rewrote it and rewrote it and rewrote it. Um, and then I finally gave it to a friend of ours, Connor, mm-hmm. who you were just talking about there, um, to read. Now that in itself was so frightening, mm-hmm. given someone else my idea to to have a read and you know get someone else's opinion on it 
So I gave him the script and Connor, Ben Connor, who was so lovely, was like, oh my God, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, that's good. You know. So this is Connor Clear, who will also be a guest on the podcast. Connor is currently on a solo trip to Antarctica. Um, Connor was uh, work, worked for TV3 for many years, also a, a Ballyfermot alumni, um, and is also a, an actor and uh, a multifaceted person as well. He's so fab. <laughs> <laughs> um, It's funny because when Gordon and I were in college together, we actually did script writing. And yes. um, I actually got to make a short film of my own in, in college. I remember, as well. remember the that? one in after everything else. It was shot very film noir and black and white. It was and it was so sad. It made everybody cry. It was, you it used was touched Damien on, Rice's. Yes, it touched on. That. It touched on um, taking your own life, I suppose. And it was, uh, yeah, it was. It, it, it was it, amazing. It, you it, done, <laughs> that done no, but for like what were we twenty at the time? Yeah, that was such a good film. Yeah. So, I mean, it's so exciting. I know exactly what you went through in terms of that, that whole kind of like being judged for something so creative, that's so yourself, that's so come from you. You know, a script is such a personal thing. So to hand it over to another person goes back to what we talked about at home, that whole asking for help thing, you know, but it's very exposing to do something like that. It was. And like with Connor, I I felt okay because I knew Connor was going to be quite complimentary, which Mm -hmm. was good, but he gave me some really nice feedback. Then I, <laughs> I gave to a friend of mine, Lydia McGuinness, who is an actress, um, and she was actually one of my acting coaches in Bow Street, and I gave it to her, and she was like, no, I'll be really honest. I was like, no, please do. <laughs> and she gave it back to me, and she was like, no, I'll mark it in red marker, and she gave it back to me. I was like, oh my God, there's so much red, so much red, and she was like, she was like, it's all constructive. Take on what you want. Take on what you don't want. Now, in hindsight, when she first gave it to me, I nearly cried because I was like, oh my God, this must be shy because there's so much red all over this. So I read it through and I was like, oh my God, actually, everything she said makes sense. She directed and produced her own films. She's been in, in like massive TV series. So I trusted her judgment on it. So once I got her, I got it back from her, I gave it another read over and I thought, okay, look, she's really improved it, you know? And again, it was that, like, I was so afraid to give it to her. Then she gave it back to me and I was shocked (laughs) (laughs) at how much she was going to edit. But then I realized, actually, if I hadn't asked for that, maybe I would have made a much worse film. Do you know what I mean? So, like, again ask for the help Mm -hmm. from people who are in you know in a a much more experienced place than I am Mm -hmm. so she did that so I had hemmed and hard about it making film is not cheap Mm -hmm. um I applied for a couple of uh funding um options didn't hear anything back from them because obviously you know at the time I was 38 and to me it kind of feels like it was a bit late starting you know but so no one knows me in the film world like Mm -hmm. you know I was brand new so I decided I was going to take it alone and fund it and make it myself so I took out 5,000 euros which was a lot of money to invest in something that I didn't know if it was going to work or not Mm. you know what I mean so I took out 5,000 euros and I decided I got a, a sound guy and a camera man like a DOP and I decided I was going to shoot it now I shot it during level five lockdown so I had to have a really small crew. Obviously, I have a, a background in TV production. So I kind of, I knew what I was doing myself. I knew I didn't need a massive crew. Mm. So I did a little recce around Dublin City one day to make sure the locations were good with the DOP. And 
two days later. DOP for anyone. Sorry, sorry, director of photography. Yeah. <laughs> so fancy. <laughs> um, so the director of photography uh, slash cameraman. Um, and we went and we shot uh, in Dublin City Centre one of the days. And it was nerve-wracking. <laughs> I was like... So tell people who want to know, tell us the premise of The Cure, which is your first film. So The Cure was... I had this idea when I, I lived in Qatar for a while and I just came up with an idea one day. About, I was reading... Don't know what it was. I was reading an article about... Do you remember there was an airplane shot down flying from... Um, Amsterdam to Kuala Lumpur mm-hmm. and I had a hundred of the world's lead, leading aid scientists on it and mm-hmm. were shot down and no one ever claimed responsibility mm-hmm. for it. So there was all these conspiracy theories going around about, you know, was shot down because they had the cure for AIDS or whatever. And I was like, oh my God, that's like, obviously conspiracy. But I said, that'd make a great film because it, it just brought me back to like the Bonds and the like Mission Impossibles. So I decided rather than making a, a film about a gay person who's stereotypically gay, which is, you know, like maybe they've gone through an AIDS crisis or, you know, gay drama. I wanted to make a gay action film. <laughs> so I decided to write a gay action film. So the cure of the premise is that this AIDS researcher thinks he's found the cure for AIDS. His world falls apart and then he's trying to get from point A to point B to release this, you know, world changing uh, news Sure. <laughs> so that was that was the premise of the film. Yeah. I made it quite differently. It didn't have a like a, a proper ending. I kind of left the ending open so that, you know, I was thinking, oh, maybe I can make this into, you know, a second part or a feature, which I actually am going to do. Oh, fantastic. Yes, I'm going to make a feature film. Oh I've, ri- I've just finished the script. Oh, my goodness. I just finished the World script. World exclusive, everybody. Yes, Harry, Harry. You're actually the first person I told, so now I have to do it. <laughs> so, yeah, so the idea was is that I just wanted to make something that was quite different to other short films. Like, I, I go to a lot of short film screenings, and usually they're quite deep and emotional and you know they're about struggles with life so I kind of wanted to make something that was a little bit different Mm. so it's quite high tempo Uh, there's banging music from Irish artists in it there's a chase sequence through Grand Canal Dock, which I always wanted to film (laughs) so I always wanted to (laughs) run through Grand Canal Dock Um, so that was the idea of and thankfully it got a really good reception it played in Chicago in London in Los Angeles I put it into a load of different festivals and it got a really good reception which was obviously it was quite reassuring to me as a first time director producer actor you know I was delighted that I that it done well because I think if I hadn't of maybe I would have been you know well maybe I shouldn't do this you know but I I'm so thankful that I did because, you know, I got to go to Chicago to see a screen over there. I was in London for a week because it was part of the London Irish Film Festival over there, which is amazing. They had like seminars with like actors and producers and like people from Screen Ireland. And it was it was just I was like, oh, my God, this is the world I want to be in now, you know. Mm. So it was. How exciting was it to see your very first film that you funded yourself with a five grand loan shot in lockdown? On the big screen. Ooh, I was sweating. <laughs> <laughs> I was shitting. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? Yeah. <laughs> I was shitting. Uh, I'll never forget it. I sat there watching. I was just listening. Like, I my my hearing went super sensitive. I was like, <laughs> I, 
are they are they laughing at that? Why didn't they laugh at that part? What are they doing? Like I like literally perspiring, like <laughs> mental. It was awful. So like it was amazing, but it yeah. was awful because I was sitting there going, "Oh my god, now I've been judged again." <laughs> Why didn't they laugh at that part? Because I thought that was going to be funny. Do you know? So like it was obviously great to be like. In a theater in Chicago, in Chicago, watching my first film, I was like, you know, like I, I, I don't think you appreciate how incredible that is. You know, there's so many people who, who would want to do something like that and make it, but but never, you know, with their first film to to be on the big screen in Chicago and London. And I mean, it was an an amazing achievement. Thank you. (laughs) And I I have to learn to say that more. Thank you. I don't know. Do you know, like, no, I am. Look, obviously, I'm I'm delighted I don't know. And look, and from that, which was great, is I showed that to a couple of different Irish people and Irish casting directors and stuff. And... I ended up getting a part in a feature film, which is coming out at the end of this year. Yes, and excited. I don't think I would have got that had I've, had I just sat at home and waited for auditions, do you know? Yeah. And that was my whole point of doing The Cure was to go, to put one, push myself and test myself, but two, not just to sit around and wait for auditions coming. Because like the acting world and the film world is quite small and it's already really populated. So like I was the tiniest little fish in this huge pond. Do you know what I mean? So I was like, if I want to get noticed, I'm going to have to do something that's, you know, good, you know? So that's the, that was like, you know, obviously that was the whole reason I did the cure was to kind of give myself my own platform to show what I can do which is absolutely the premise of this podcast it's not sort of waiting around you know people sometimes wait around for their door to get knocked on but actually you know it's so important that if there's things that you want to do in life that you can do them yourselves and you know people think making a movie is you know millions of millions of dollars and of course it can be but you can also do things on a shoestring that you know if you're really passionate about and if you get the right people involved can go on and do great things and and lead you to other things like you've done now with this with this feature film and um and uncut as well before we talk about it that i just was wondering there's a lovely reveal i suppose in the cure that the main character, this real sort of action figure that there's been this fight scene, this running sequence, has a, 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 a male partner, right? So it's gay. It's kind of like a reveal. Do you think that had anything to do with the success of the film in terms of the circuit? I don't know, maybe. Like, I left it as a reveal at the end because I didn't want people to prejudge mm. at the beginning. Do you know, I didn't want it to be a gay film. Exactly. I wanted people to look at it and see that he was calling my love and it didn't, you didn't specify you'd never seen who his partner was at the beginning and you didn't see it till the end. So, like, maybe that was part of the success was because I was telling a different type of story. Yep. Um... Again, look, I don't know. I'd just be speculating. I did it that way, though, so that I could give a little bit of a surprise Mm. to who or what a gay character can be on television or in film. Because, you know, I obviously watch a lot of television and I watch a lot of films and there is a lot of the time it's a stereotype. Yeah. You know, so I kind of wanted to show the human side to the hero and then break the gay stereotype Which I think you did. Very successfully Thanks. in the cure, um, but leads on to uncut, <laughs> which is a different type of gay gay film. Uh, so, uh, talk to us then about your second short film that you made on the success of the cure. So, the second short film was a lot more revealing. <laughs> it was me in a bed with one guy, which I was actually really nervous about making. And like, this is so funny. I had this idea as well years ago. Um, the reason this one came about was because I was doing research for a TV show for Orti years ago. And I found out that 
between 50 and 80% of American men are circumcised. Yeah. And the reason they are is not because they're Jewish or Islamic. It's because of Mr. Kellogg's cornflakes. <laughs> right? And nobody knows. What? Yes. Literally. I know. I thought it was because of like the heat and health reasons. No, there's no... I'm not circumcised and I'm grand. <laughs> I was actually watching a TV show, Go Trouble, and there was a whole episode on a girl who had sex with a guy who was not circumcised. And there was like a big discussion about, about it on the show. So like it's so normal to be circumcised that actually the opposite... In America. Yeah, in America. Yeah, and like, yeah. and the thing is, the funny thing is that, like, you know, there's a lot goes, there's a lot said about female genital mutilation, right? Yeah. Is that like, that shouldn't happen. So, like, I get for, you know, for Islamic reasons and for, for Jewish reasons that they have their own rituals and that's why they do it. But in Catholicism, there's nothing that says your foreskin needs to be removed. And I have... This episode's s- taken a turn, but anyway. anyway I was like, <laughs> cut this out if you want. But I've seen a lot of willy. Cut this out if you want. Excuse the pun. <laughs> but like, I've seen a lot of penises as a gay man. <laughs> and it's, you know, like, I don't think there's a need for foreskin to be removed. Okay, especially on young baby boys. Mm -hmm. That's just my own view. That's grand. Um, So the whole reason Uncut came about was because I'd found out this bit of information about... Sorry, tell us about Kellogg's cornflakes. So John Harvey (laughs) Kellogg, right? I'll give you the brief description. John Harvey Kellogg was a doctor and he was like part of some crazy religious um, group that taught masturbation was a sin, right? He had kids, but he only had kids to... Uh, procreate he didn't suppose he was celibate for most of his marriage and he just believed that masturbation was awful so the whole reason Kellogg's cornflakes were developed was because he believed a bland diet would make teenage boys and teenage girls less horny oh wow when this wasn't the case he started going around and circumcising boys and girls he was burning girls clitorises off with acid right yeah so he was he was crazy like he was he like shouldn't have been a physician so this was around the time that women started to have um, babies in hospitals. So essentially, having your foreskin removed showed that you were from a more wealthy background because only women who had children in hospitals were having their kids circumcised. So it was kind of the circumcising boys came about as like a status symbol. Mm. But then it just turned into a normal thing in the United States. And now up to 80% of American men are circumcised mm. when they probably don't need to be. Um, so that's the, so I heard this bit of information. And then when I lived in Qatar, I was having a little good time <laughs> with uh, this Arab guy, uh, with a Muslim who had was the whole time while we were trying to get it on was telling me I should have my foreskin removed because it was better for health and I couldn't get AIDS and did it. And I was wow. like, I was like, no, this isn't true. So the whole idea was, you know, I heard this information about John Harvey Kellogg. I had this real life conversation. So I decided to turn them into like a, a short film about circumcision. So it's a little bit of a, a lesson on history and it's a comedy. So it's, it's not, it's not, you know, it's not an awful drama. It's actually a little bit of a comedy. It's trying to make light of the whole situation. Yeah. So that was my, that was my second short film. Um, and again, thankfully, now... I was really nervous about making this one because the subject matter is gay, but it's very gay. (laughs) (laughs) And so I was like a little bit nervous about showing that to like the straight world because I didn't know 
if it will be recept you know if it got we'll get a good reception yeah. i was really nervous about hiring like a straight camera crew to be in a bedroom with me and a guy in bed mm-hmm. so i started looking for a gay camera crew and gay sound people so during this whole um process i actually realized how much internal homophobia i still had wow. even though i'm like 40 years of age i was learning still loads about myself because i was like why am i so uncomfortable about making a film about a subject matter that i've i came out when i was 21 so i'm like 18 years out of the closet and i'm now struggling with the idea of making a gay short film do you know so again it was a whole learning process um, thankfully I didn't make it because again it showed in Chicago, it showed in London again, um, it's shown in Amsterdam. Like again, it got it got a good reception. Um Did you make it with an all gay crew? No. I showed it to so a good friend of mine, Jonathan Lambert, who is a director of photography, film. He he's done a lot of television and film had shot part of the cure for me because I had to fire the first guy <laughs> um, on the cure. Um, so he came on. So I gave him the script again, let him have a read of it. He thought it was really good. So he did it with me. And I'm so glad I got him to do it with me because he actually brought it from a different perspective. Mm. And it made me, again, get over another hurdle of like one of my own personal hurdles of like being openly gay in front of like you know a straight crew like the sound guy the camera guy and the um assistants were all straight so it was only me and the the other actor that were that were gay so yeah so like look it was a huge learning experience i learned so much making this second film that i didn't learn in the first film you know like it was it was a completely different experience i i planned it properly i we got like hired proper lights and you know so like the whole experience was Really fulfilling. Again, really nerve-wracking. Cost me a fortune again. <laughs> Were you able to get any additional funding or anything? Sadly not. But it was just, I was I was turning 40 on the 22nd of April. And I was like, if I don't shoot another short film by the time I turn 40, I'm going to be really annoyed at myself. So I took out another loan. <laughs> and finished filming on the 21st of April. So I got it in just before I finished my 40, I turned 40. Amazing. So look, again... Clearly, it's not for me. It's not ideal to be self-funding these things. Yeah. But from this, I did get a part in a feature where I got paid as a proper actor, and I have made some of that money back. Amazing. So I looked at like even though it was, I was taking chunks of money from as loans to do something that I wanted to do. I just seen that as an investment. Mm. You know, to me, I'm investing in my future. You know, I am going to shoot a feature film. I'm trying to get funding. If I can't, I'm going to take out a much bigger loan and shoot it myself. Because I'm look, I'm at the age now, Ariana. Like I'm 41 now in a couple of weeks. I just think, what am I waiting around on? Do you yeah. know, why am I waiting now for stuff to happen? Stuff is happening, but I can make it happen quicker if I do it yourself. Do it myself. <laughs> Hence the subject matter of this podcast, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um. I mean, it's incredible because you you constantly push yourself, you constantly motivate yourself for for more, even off the back of all the successes that you've had. And I think it's just so interesting how your journey so far, setting up the the solo business with the Container Coffee, which has helped you to fund your solo pursuits of passion and the success that you've had for that, which has led on to so many other things. Um, Recently, a beautiful Irish film called The Irish Goodbye won the 2023 short film Oscar. Amazing. Uh, Absolutely incredible, beautiful. Beautiful film. 
Um, so for anyone listening, obviously there could be a lot of Irish people. I mean, we, we had 14 nominations in the Oscars this year. There's obviously a big buzz. There's a whole new film uh, complex being built out at Grange Castle. Um, there's a lot of exciting things happening in the film world. I mean, for anyone thinking of of like you obviously have a lot of background experience with the TV production with the you know but for anyone out there in terms of wanting to maybe do a solo pursuit and, and make their own film what kind of advice would you offer for that pick up a camera <laughs> no really like like pick up a camera like i my advice to anyone who is thinking of doing something themselves is just to pick up a camera or write your script and show it to somebody yeah. because then it becomes real. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Having it in your head and continuously thinking over and thinking over is all well and good. But once you give it to somebody, it's, it's out there, you know? So I think you just need to put it out there. Mm. And once it's out there, then people, again, might offer their help or mm. people will be willing to give you their feedback. And then it starts, to me, it just started to snowball, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like I gave Connor that script in September and we were shooting in November Mm. so it happened quite fast because I got excited about it then you know I was like okay I can do this and look I I'm lucky because I know lots of people who work in television and film so I like Jonathan was very good he gave me mates rates for for shooting it do you know but like there's film festivals out there that are for films that are solely shot on iPhone Wow. Do you know, so my thing is that like once you have good picture, the only other thing I would say spend money on is sound equipment, because if you don't have, if you can't hear the sound properly, you're not going to want. No one's going to want to watch it. Mm. You know, the picture can be not as crisp or as clear, but if the sound is bad, it's really hard to listen to. It's like when there's static on a radio. You know, you're you'll constantly fix it until. You can hear it clearly. So, like, to anyone who wants to do it, I think, like, and also cliche, but just do it. Yeah. Like, stop waiting around. Like, I waited way too long to take a chance on myself and try this. Now, I know there's no such thing as too late, but, like, I wish I had been braver five or ten years ago. Mm. Do you know, I wish I had have just taking a chance on myself then you know because I feel like then maybe I'd be a lot further than where I am now but again in saying that then look I probably wouldn't have met my husband and there's loads of things in my life that wouldn't happen so look I'm I'm really happy where I am Mm. but in saying that I still think that like if there's anyone listening to this that has an idea just get up and do it and Mm. take the steps it's not going to happen the way you want it to Mm. you know like I wrote The Cure and then I shot it and then there was so much that I had written that we shot that I was like, actually, that doesn't work. You know, I, cu- I kind of nearly made a new film when I was editing it together. Do you know? And they say when you're making films, you make three films. You write it, then you make it, and then you edit it. Mm. So, like, they become completely different beasts within themselves. Mm. But I think it's like, you know, yeah, look... That's m- the whole kill your darlings thing, isn't it? The, yeah. Uh, the, and it's the same thing with the, with the script that was handed back to you with red ink all over it. It's that whole idea of making sure that you only produce the best. Exactly. And the thing is, like, I'm learning, you know, like, and anyone who starts anything the first time, you're going to learn so much more from doing than you will from just thinking about it. Yeah. And like, look, my my cousin, um, Heather, she set up a, a flower um, shop must called get, Flower must Pop. Get Heather on this as well. Yeah, you should get Heather on it because she'd be great. But like, she kind of didn't know what she was doing as well. And but she's now flying it. Like yeah. she did the flowers for David Beckham or for Cruz Beckham's 18th birthday. Do you know? So like 
I think the difference between people who are doing stuff and people who are thinking about doing stuff is that some people just get up and they just go for it. And that fear, like I was so afraid doing it, but I thought, do I want, where do I want to be in five years? Do I want to be, do I want to be sorry that I tried it and failed or do I want to have still be thinking about it yeah. I was like right I'd rather just try and fail yeah and this is the whole thing you know obviously I'm a I'm a life coach a career coach and and that whole thing of people you know you really have to put thought into action in order for you to pursue in order for you to to achieve your goals and you know this is this my whole idea for creating this podcast is to really get that message home with people that a you don't have to wait around for other people you can you know see what you want to do see your goal have a dream pursue it um but just really be willing to kind of put yourself out there to 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 feel fear and do it anyway and you know that there's elements of being judged what I always say to my coaching clients is you have to get out of your own way and you have to allow the person that wants to fulfill this dream to kind of come through and and encourage that person and self-talk and positivity and you know all of those you know you're talking about being in the in the cinema and your your ears becoming super sensitive to everything that was going going around but you know they're the things that are going to happen when you are brave and when you're willing to put yourself out there and be courageous and you know do things because they're what you want to do and the thing is from doing that from making the short film like casting agents like louise kiley you know i sent it to her so she knew i was serious about wanting to do this so from that i got an audition for a film called four mothers which is in post-production now and that's going to be coming out at the end of the year you know had i not given into my if i had i given into my fear and not done it Nobody would know what I wanted to do. Yeah. I would, and I'd still be sitting there dreaming of becoming an actor, <laughs> you know. So, like, it is so frightening. And, like, it, it wasn't easy, you know. Like, I shot a fe- that feature film the, the second day. Like, it was one of the scariest moments of my life. I was trying to think of every way I could to, like, I was, like, thinking about throwing myself down the stairs so that I didn't have to <laughs> shoot it if I broke my leg. You know what I mean? Like, I was so nervous about yeah. doing that. And I remember sitting in the dressing room sitting in the dressing room going this is great and then going oh my god Gordon what have you done like where are you you're sitting in a dressing room on a feature film I honestly thought I was going to crap myself because I was I just was like oh my god you've pushed yourself too far now you are so far out your comfort zone you know six hours later I was having a glass of wine with my friends going I can't believe I did that yeah do you know and but everything is going to be scary and when I did the first episode of this podcast you know Cassie can testify I sat here coming came in here very nervous and unsure of like you know how things were going to turn out but what I always talk about in my coaching is the, the six C's of success in order to to be successful at something you need to first have courage then you need to commit to the decision that you've made then you not get to see what you're capable of and then comes confident confidence you become more confident in your capabilities but those two things need to be constantly and consciously worked on all of the yeah. time so we need to you know it's those it's those six c's and you are a huge testament to that in terms of being courageous committing to something you know seeing what you're capable of growing in confidence and now it's more and more and more it's feature films it's acting it's it's you know getting back your investment it's so exciting but i think it's baby steps you know you can't take a massive leap from one place into the next no. do you know what i mean it is baby steps and like like i said the confidence thing you'll build your confidence yeah. the more you do it and like my thing is i'm always saying to my niece and nephews like push yourself out of your comfort zone mm-hmm. and like 
if you don't, you're going to stay stagnant. Yeah. And that is the thing is that like a lot, I know a lot of people who are really comfortable in their lives. That's grand. I don't know why I torture myself with trying. I'm <laughs> like, oh, you know, I want to make a feature film. Way. Like, you know. <laughs> but that's living. That's what, that's what it's all about. It's about feeling, you know, feeling fear and pushing yourself. And, you know, when I talk about comfort zone, most people are actually uncomfortable within their comfort zone. So be uncomfortable outside the comfort zone <laughs> and, and, and that's and that's what i like i look at you ariana i think you're amazing for the things that you do as well on your own do you know what i mean you went off and traveled around the world or traveled around europe for like 10 months you know i'm inspired now to do something like that because so many i think so many people just go oh no i'm not able or i won't have the time or whatever i i've listened to a lot of like motivational podcasts now because i find I find those people are the ones I want to be listening to because they all have the same message and it is like, it's going to be frightening, but you have to push yourself. And when you do, you'll be so proud of yourself when you're like, achieve something that you want to achieve. And to me, that's where I get my a buzz, mm-hmm. do you know? Mm-hmm. You know, one of the, one of the, I'm listening to, I have the Masterclass app. One of the people I listen to, her name is Robin Arzon. And she is amazing because she just changed her career overnight, essentially, because she was sick and tired of working as a lawyer and she wanted to be a sports journalist. So she flew herself over to the Olympics and just started networking, Do you know. And it's like people like that are like, they're no different to me and you. No. They're no different to anyone listening to this. No. Do you know, we are all human. You know, we are all able to do what we want, but we really have to push ourselves. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's funny because I think, you know, we're going to look at so many different topics on this podcast, whether that be solo travel, the solo pursuit of parenthood, solo businesses, solo, you know, plays, movies, films, being single, all of those kind of things. And I think I know that when I ask people what advice they will give, the majority of the time it will be just do it. It'll be just be brave, like believe in yourself, push yourself, all of those things that everyone who's come on this podcast has done and seen the benefit of and even if you hadn't have gone on to amazing acclaim and film festivals and at the end of the day you would have had a film which is something that you wanted to make that you wanted to do which you could then use as a showreel it's you've been so successful with it in terms of getting it recognized but you don't have to go on to great success either to to you know it's simply kind of the act of doing something um making something making art believing in yourself trying they're all of the things that you know I really hope that this episode I know it's inspiring me (laughs) sitting here I'm like I need to go home now and write my book I need to go write a script um but hopefully it's what will inspire people listening to it. And that is it. So like I listen to these type of podcasts for inspiration because, you know, if if there's someone sitting here now going, oh, I can't even go to dinner on my own. Yeah. It's like, it's like go to dinner on your own. Yeah. And it is not that scary. Yeah. And like you might be nervous and you might feel like you've been judged. But once you do that, you'll go, OK, that's fine. And that's what I was saying about baby steps. Yeah. Like whatever your pursuit is, if you want to get to the top of Everest. You know, start walking up the Dublin Mountains first. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think it is. And I think for the topic of this episode, often, you know, the first step is going to the cinema on your own. So the first time yes. I went to cinema on my own, I was really scared. But now I only go to the cinema on my own. I absolutely love going to cinema yeah. on your own. Why would you want to sit there with people while you're eating your nachos? and <laughs> Someone disturbing you, asking what happened. <laughs> Watch the film. Turn off your phone. <laughs> exactly. So I think, you know, for anyone wanting to experience solo pursuits, and, you know, we're talking about the world of film here, go 
out to the cinema on your own. Just have that experience if that's not something that you've ever done before. And I know so many people have never done it. 100%. I know loads of people who are like, oh, I don't want to go see I look like a weirdo. I'm like, <laughs> you're sitting in a dark room with loads of other people. No one's looking at you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, and it is, it's like doing stuff on our own. I don't know, maybe it was culturally grown up. People were like, oh, you shouldn't do stuff on your own. But it's like, we come into this world on our own and we leave on our own. Yeah. And I think the comforts, is realising that you actually can be on your own. Like, I, I'm married, like, seven years. I love spending time on my own. My <laughs> husband's like, why don't you want to talk to me? I'm like, I just need a few hours on my own. I love spending time with myself. Yeah. I walk up to Tree Rock. That's my, that's my like, little zen space. I go up there, like, every couple of weeks, I just walk up on my own. Or maybe I bring the dog, because she's amazing. <laughs> um, but, like, I think having being comfortable with yourself is like key to key to life if you can't be on your own yeah you know you're always going to be dependent on somebody else you know so i think doing stuff solo is so good for you yeah so good for you yeah as i as i said the greatest relationship is the one that you have with yourself so you know it's about loving yourself trusting yourself believing in yourself putting yourself out there and then you start to find all of these other people who will believe in you and support you and give you and like i say as well with the with the world of tv and film in ireland at the moment it's incredibly exciting you know you have a background in it but if you know we're such a small country uh you know starting to put the word out there and talk to people, everybody will know a cousin a brother an uncle an aunt a friend someone who is involved in the world in some way that would be able to reach out and offer advice and offer help and that's really what the first step is as well is just kind of looking at your network and seeing you know who who, who can help and going back to that asking for help piece and dreaming like look at those lads who made an Irish goodbye I'm sure when they made that film like a few years ago they didn't think that they would wouldn't be at the Oscars Mm -hmm. but win an Oscar Mm -hmm. and that's what I hold on to for me my thing is like that could be me yeah I mean, yeah. All well, I it takes. Thinking about how to wrap up this episode, and I was thinking, <laughs> will you come back to us when you have your Oscar? Yeah, <laughs> I'll have to bring you maybe as a date, Ariana. <laughs> um, no, one hundred percent, and that's like, but that's the thing is that to me that is possible. Yes, do you know what I mean? Yes. That is possible. Maybe not on my own. <laughs> maybe I'll need a good crew. But I've written a script on my own that I hope will get me to other places. Yeah. You know and. Those lads who won an Oscar for an Irish goodbye probably didn't realise that, you know, making a short film in Ireland was going to catapult them to the world stage. Like, amazing. And that, to me, is the inspiration. Absolutely. And how inspiring it is just to see that, you know, I suppose we... You know, we talk about diversity and inclusion. You've talked about making gay films, learning th- things about yourself. Obviously, the the um, the star of an Irish goodbye was beautiful Down syndrome ac- actor. It's it's putting people that we don't normally see. Even if you look at the cast of people who've won the male female best Oscars, yeah. you know, and in, in this year's award, it's all about that. It's it's seeing when we see people doing the things that we aspire to do. It makes us believe that it's possible for us as well. So how inspiring to see so many Irish success at the Oscars this year. It's rallied all of us as a nation to try and and do the same. But maybe, you know, this podcast episode will inspire someone else to to make a movie. This is what this is all about. It's seeing, hearing, believing, doing. So on that note, Gordon, thank you so much for coming Thank you for having me, Ariana. It's been uh, I've learned so much feel really really inspired and just can't wait to see what's coming next for you so thank you so much thank you for having me